God! It's about to get real! Welcome to the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Together, we will make America great again. Skater. 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 Hell now, man. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? Plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. All right, welcome to another episode of the Plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. This is the Rock and Pod recap, and I've got to say, I am so down right now. The Mountain Man is not with me, and I sat here talking with Ralph Vieira. For like an hour about this great Michael Sweet interview we did. And I, I, I don't have any of his audio, but I want to make sure that I get this up. So I'm going to go ahead and shoot from the hip so that I can give you this great interview. Now, I will say... Uh, 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 Ralph from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, he really wanted to interview Michael Sweet. And um, for those of you that are fans of Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, he was he was nervous to, to, to do this interview with Ian. And I understand that. And I will say that uh, uh, Ralph came to me. He found out I was interviewing Michael Sweet. He's like, Bushy, man, please, can I, can I, can I come sit in with you? I have things I want to ask him. And I'm like, brother, absolutely, absolutely. And I actually uh, sat back a thought after I said absolutely and said, damn, we're only allotted 15 minutes. Now, I think we went 20, 20, 25. And I was like, there's something I want to say to Michael Sweet on a personal level that maybe I won't be able to I won't be able to talk about it with that you know short time frame. So I went up to his you know autograph signing booth and I had him sign my two albums and he was impressed, you know, I, my uh, in God we trust still has the original poster with the you know the the big hundred dollar bill or whatever it is and I have the original cover of uh, to hell with the devil with the original inserts to buy their merch you know and we're just talking he shook my daughter's hand twice and I told him what what you end up hearing in the interview very briefly about how I discovered them out of necessity and have been a fan ever since I went backwards and I've been in a fan forward all the way not just a striper fan but a michael sweet fan because his songwriting capabilities are off the chain they're absolutely ridiculous and 
his musicianship is ridiculous. You know, I, I, I loved Striper, and, and by loved, I mean still do. I love the Sweet and Lich albums. I love his solo albums. I, I can't wait to hear 10 because Better Part of Me is an amazing track. Just dropped yesterday. No, just dropped today. Amazing track. Check out the new album, 10, coming out soon. He talks about that in this interview coming up with me and Al Raffiera. It was just such a great time. Uh, he was very accommodating. Uh, and, and it's funny because... The next day, uh, Sunday, when everybody's leaving the hotel, he was catching the shuttle to go back to the airport to fly off to wherever it is he's flying off to. I'm assuming maybe either California or Massachusetts to work on music, you know, because I'm not sure which way he was going, but I was parked right up front in the hotel and he was getting on. I'm like, hey, Michael, I just wanted to say thank you so much for this interview. I really appreciate it. Great job. And, you know, I was going to get back in my car because we were going off to a, to a different event still happening with the, uh, with the Rock-A-Pot Expo, something Ken Mills had set up at the Wine Down in Nashville, Tennessee. And he come over, and he had to left-hand, you know, shake my hand because he's got a Starbucks in, in his right hand and he's carrying his bag still. He's like, no, man, thank you. You guys did such a great job. Best interview of the day. I can't wait to hear it. And the wave to my daughter. Now, here's the cool thing. When I went up and got my um, my record signed, my daughter's like, eh, what are you doing? And he shook her hand twice, talking to her. You know, he's very gracious to even her. And my girlfriend, Kristen, was there taking pictures. Kristen, how the heck did we not get any selfies from that weekend? God, worst couple ever. But anyway, you know, I, I, I tell Michael Sweet what I had to tell him on a personal level. And I get my album signed, and we take a picture together. And, you know, like I said, he shook my daughter's hand, and we walked away. And I'm, I'm on cloud nine. And my daughter says, Dad, who is that? And I'm holding these records in my hand, signed by Michael Sweet. And I'm like, Nevaeh, that's the lead singer Striper. And she fangirled out. She just geeked out. So... When he waved to her as he was getting on the shuttle to go off to the airport to do his next thing, that geeked her out even more. So, Michael, if you're listening, I really, really appreciate that. Now, I had this whole big thing recorded with Ralph Vieira because we were singing your praises so hard. And for whatever reason, his audio didn't record. So I want to make sure that you know that Ralph Vieira, who's the singer of a thrash metal band, is a huge, huge fan of yours. And I know you've met him a few times. And I know you meet a lot of people, so you may not remember it. But he was so honored and happy to be able to sit in and talk to you. And I was so honored and happy that A, you came to Nashville and did this. And B, that Ralph said, hey, Bushy, can I, can I, can I come sit in with you? I, I want to talk to him too. It was great. And I have to admit, I was nervous. I was nervous because Ian Wadley walked up to Michael. And we thought, well, maybe not we. I thought the worst. He's about to mess up this interview. Because Ian is of a certain mind. And that's okay. God love him for it. And all he did was sing praises to Michael Sweet. Not for Striper, but for 
his work with Boston. And that was absolutely amazing. Ian said what he had to say. He shook his hand. Michael seemed very cool, very cordial. And Ian walked away, and then we sat down, and we had this interview. Now, I hate that the mountain man couldn't be here, but I have got to release this material. I have got to release it. Because it's just too good to sit on until the mountain man can come record with me. So here it is. This is Ralph Vieira from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, the Vieira Vault, and also the band Thrasher Die. This is Bushy from the Big Bushy Power Hour on thatmetalstation.com. And right here, the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. And the great Michael Sweet of Striper, Sweet and Lynch, and of course his illustrious solo career. This is our interview when we got to sit down and talk with Michael Sweet at Rock and Pod 3 2019. Check this out. All right, so I'm sitting here with Ralph Vieira and Michael Sweet of Striper, Sweet and Lynch. Thank hey you, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us of today. It's a pleasure to be here, man, and honor. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Th- thanks for taking the time. Uh, I, had a, I had a moment to talk with you over there in the signing booth. Huge inspiration. And like I said, I found you because I almost had to in order to listen to metal still on, on, on the Sabbath. In God We Trust, you were telling me yes, about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm so glad you remember that. It, it's still one of my favorite records to this day, so I just had to get that out real quick wow, once dude. again. But it's interesting because that that's an album, obviously. That was our, our fourth album. Right. And it's it, we, we kept getting a little more slick, you know. By the time we got to that album, it was very slick. Yes. So I'd love to go back and remix that album. But, you know, probably a lot of fans like yourself might not care for that, you know, because there's something to be said for the slickness. Right. right? That, that's so, true. Yeah. But, man, it's a great album. It's got some great songs on it. It really does. Writings on the Walls, uh, one of my favorite songs. Absolutely. You know? I would like to hear a raw version. Yeah, I was going to say, if it sounds anything like the last three albums, please go back in and remix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do a, a, like a, a, a modern-day version of Writings on the Wall, because I agree with you. A raw version, that would be cool. That Absolutely. Be cool. Yes. I, I, I like to say I've, I've been with you guys not on Rock's regime, because yeah. I live in Florida. Yep. Um, loud and clear, when I heard on that, uh, the metal shop, only yep. show with teeth, I ran out and bought the EP. Yep. And I've just been following you ever since. The first time you guys came to Florida was um, Soldiers of the Community. Yeah, man, way back. 85. Yeah, and then you came with Hurricane a couple times. They yep. toured with you quite a bit, huh? They're still out playing, but obviously not with Kelly. Kelly's with right. Foreigner, Foreigner now. And, uh, you know, it sounds amazing with Foreigner. But, yeah, those uh, Hurricane, those are the good old days. We did a lot of shows with Hurricane, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, you guys came back with Hurricane yeah. quite a yeah. few times. We sure did. But, uh... One thing that I always that I don't think Striper gets enough credit on is that you know the whole metal scene in general. Yeah. You know when you talk about rebellious, like you know satanic bands, yep. and you know just you know, I feel Striper has to be even more rebellious than them because number one, you, you sing you know about religion. Yeah. Religion. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and not only the metal, like, you know, a lot of metal uh, elitists, say, but also the Christian community yeah. was against Striper back in the, in the 80s. As I remember, Jimmy Swagger even said something. And I believe, I could be wrong, that 
you guys were fans of Jimmy Swagger, you know, your family. We were. We came to know God through Jimmy Swagger, believe it or not. So to see that he was holding albums up and, and, and telling people not to support us was pretty heartbreaking at the time. But your thoughts on uh, being more rebellious, I've been saying that a lot lately in, in the sense that, you know, it's real easy to swim with the tide. Try swimming against the tide. And, and see how, e- how see how easy it is or how hard it is. It's not easy, and it, it's we, that's something we've been doing from the very beginning. You know, going going against the grain and against the tide. Uh, and I tell you, we've been spat on. We've had things thrown at us. We've been booed off the stage. Uh, we've played some pretty interesting shows over the years, but we wouldn't change a thing because that's who we are. And uh, it's been difficult at times, but it's also been fulfilling uh, because we've had an effect, this message, this music, on many people's lives. And at the end of the day, that's more important than the music any time of the day. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. Like, uh, also, I'd like to touch on uh, Against the Law. Yeah. Against oh, the I'm Law. I'm so glad you brought this album I, up because that's I, where I wanted to well, go. The, the, you know, what I don't get about it is when people say, well, now they're getting away from God, but... If you really listen, I mean, you tell me, you wrote the songs. The songs are still very positive and nothing negative. And it, you, sure, you weren't speaking about God, but you're still like morally, you know. I think it was more during that era, that time period, it was more our attitude. So we took on a different attitude during that time. We really did. We were, we, we, we were a little nastier. We, were, we, were, we had an F.U. attitude. And, and I think that's, that was a tough pill for people to swallow. And I understand that. You know, we started growing beards double and, like, frowning and, you know, we're tough. And it, it just wasn't us. It wasn't us, man. And, you know, it's one thing to have a, a drink. I have an occasional bourbon, but it's a whole other thing to get drunk. Right. We were getting drunk during that period, going on stage drunk, hitting the bar after the show. You know, it, 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 we were crossing the line for sure. And I think a lot of fans could see that and picked up on that. And I could understand, you know, them not supporting that. But I still felt the music was positive. Oh, yeah. No, no. There was some good music on that album. Uh, the thing that makes it difficult for me to support that album 100% is I feel like we became a different band. We should have changed the name of the band. That's my opinion. Now, not, not everyone agrees with me on that. And that's fine. But we went from being Striper and having our own unique sound on In God We Trust to Hell Soldiers, our own unique look, throwing it all out the window. We lost the yellow and black. We lost the guitar tone. We lost the attitude. We lost the message to a degree. We, it was positive, but we were singing about chicks instead of, you, you know what I mean? Right, we, right. we were a different band. So we really should have changed the name of the band. And maybe that would have made fans happy. I don't know. I did end up seeing you in a little club on Miami Beach on that tour uh, with Trickster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Trickster opened. Yep. I, I'm telling you, I've not missed a Florida show. Oh, dude. Hey. I, I no, was... that was a good tour. Trickster's a great band, too. A good guy. Still in touch with them. Steve and I are in touch all the time. Great band. Uh, and, man, they were just kids back then. Yeah, they were like... First tour teenagers i think i was going to say i could have sworn they were 17 18 years old oh yeah old they were they so started. young oh yeah. yeah super young also gotta say my not because i'm talking to you this is the honest truth the greatest dvd i own 
is your solo acoustic. Really? Oh my God, the stories. Wow. It's just shot so well and performed so well. Oh, good. And man. where I wow. watch it, I can't watch it just once. And also, I like playing That's amazing. it when I clean my house. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear that, dude. Because, I, I mean, that not a lot went into that, you know. So you, because of that, you, you are kind of counting on the fact that it might not be as good as it should be. It's amazing. So to hear you say that, it's really cool. But you should get good feedback from that? Oh, yeah. I've gotten primarily good feedback, but still at the same time, like I said, because not a lot went into it, I was kind of concerned about it. Like, ugh, is this going to be great? Is it going to be, it's, eh. So it sounds to me like it turned out pretty good. Oh, it was amazing. And good. your book as well. Oh, good. Out. Thank you, brother. Um, Thank you. Also, like I, I said this to you briefly yesterday, I've been following you guys since the beginning. I, I pretty much love everything. Not everything, but, yeah. you know, because when you guys came back, it was really, um, Reborn was more of a solo album. It was. You know? It really um, was. But still, like, what I feel, as much as I love that early stuff, yeah. I feel my favorite Striper albums are the last three. Yeah. Yes. Do you get that a lot? My, well, those are mine, too. Really? Yeah. I mean, I my favorite classic album is Soldiers. Right. There's just a rawness to that album and something special about it. But my favorite uh, albums of all time are probably No More Hell to Pay, Fallen, and Goddamn Evil. Even more so, Fallen and Goddamn Evil. I mean, those. I'm very happy with the result of those albums and the direction we're going in. And we're going to continue in that direction. We're not going to drastically change things. We want to try a little more experimentation, stretch out a little bit more. But still stay true to what we've done the past four or five years. You did a little bit of it on the last time with Ticket to the Cross. We did. I love that. It, it sounds almost thrashy to me. I'm like, where did this come from? It meets like some crazy thrash. And, yeah. you know, dare I say, a little death metal vocals? A little bit. A little you know? bit. And it's funny because people are like, ah, until it gets to the chorus, it sucks. And, and it's. I think that reaction comes from the fact that they don't expect that from Striper. Right. But I mean, if it was Priest, they'd love it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, everyone you, would probably be like, oh, "I love this. I yeah, love the chorus." But because right. it's Striper, I I thought that's what stood out the most to me. Me too. When you hear that, you're like, "Yo, this is Striper." That's my favorite. Do you part. hear that? I love it. When the chorus kicks in live, we're like, "Yeah." But you know, it just—it was such a shocker for some fans. They couldn't—they couldn't get into it. Oh, I loved it. And and uh, the valley is a song that, man, it really doesn't escape. You ever have those days where you just have a song in your head? Oh yeah, man. The valley is that one. I but, mean, you it know, just sticks to me. It's important, and I miss those old days of the anthems that stick. Yeah. The songs that just really go in and stay in. And the valley is one of those songs. Oh, it's just, uh, it just sticks to me. Yeah, and, and sorry, sorry too. Sorry's got yeah. that groove, and it's got that melody, and it's fun to play live. It never gets old, at least not yet. The valley's the same way. Sorry. Uh, so, man, I, I couldn't be more pleased with the direction we're going in, and we got to outdo the last album. Which will be hard. Well, we're, we got to though, yeah. because you want to keep that momentum going, right? So you don't ever want to regress. Sadly, a lot of bands do because it's really hard. But man, we gotta outdo it. I know we can. Oh yeah. Here's what I'm wondering: Was it a conscious decision? Is like, look, the hair thing's gone, you know. And, and I hate to, to say hair. I, I actually get offended by that. I'll call it glam. I'm okay with glam. Yeah. But that sound is dead in the water these days. Was it a conscious decision to 
okay, obviously this is our guitar tone, this is my vocals, you know, this is Striper, but we're going to be a little bit heavier. We're going to be a little bit grittier. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, as the writer, I was when I was writing for No More Hell to Pay, uh, that's I was probably my favorite of those. Two. I was listening to Soldiers and to Hell with the Devil. Right. I kept going back to those albums and listening to them because I wanted to come around full circle and, and bring out everything people expect to hear from us and dig deep into our roots and give them that. At the same time, keep some sort of modern spin to it. Absolutely. And that's what we tried to do. Hopefully we pulled it off. And we're going to keep trying to do that, too. Well, you absolutely pulled it off, if you ask me. Because well, I, I concur with his opinion. Those last three albums, probably yeah. the best stuff you've ever done. And, I mean, in God we trust, yeah, it's super polished. It's uh, obvious dude. hair. Your, your hair was up to the sky. <laughs> I've also noticed, though, lyrically, um, <laughs> in the early, in the 80s, it was Jesus, God. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's kind of like... You, you sing about Jesus and God, but without using their names much? Yeah. Was that also conscious? Did yeah, I mean, as a writer, I try to grow, not just with the production and the music, but with the lyrics, too. So I dig a lot deeper nowadays when I write lyrics. Like, pull from, you know, many different sources. And, you know, what I try to do, too, like, I'll, I'll write a word, a line... And then the next line, when I get to the next line, to, to have a rhyme with the word, instead of just a standard rhyme, I'll go to a thesaurus, and I'll look at different words that can be used, syllables and whatnot, and, and, and try, to, try to figure out a way to make that word different. You know, like, you know, reverie. You know, and, and, and back in the 80s, I would have I used some other word that everyone says. So I try to... Try to figure out words as a writer, as a lyricist that that are different, you know. Uh, and hopefully, I'm accomplishing that, you know. You I, are. But I don't want to get so deep that people can't understand that's, what we're trying to say. That's what I was trying to explain. It's like I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's no different than when you did in the '80s. Exactly. But it's not so blunt. Right. You know what I'm in the '80s, it was very simple. Yeah. We are here to rock, and rock is what we'll do. Come rock, on, rock, rock, rock. Come on, rock. You know. So we're, their lyrics are a lot deeper now, but not so deep that they go over your head. Right. Because a lot of lyrics do go over my head. I mean, I'll, I'll hear them and I'm like, well, I can't relate to that. And I want them to be relatable. Right. Something I'm very excited about, uh, 10. Yeah. Uh, is it, it's, it's done? It's done. Uh, first song comes out next Tuesday called Better Part of Me with Jeff Loomis of Arch Enemy oh, soloing, yeah, shredding. Mind. It's a killer song. It's like a very Iron Maiden. Very Maiden and very heavy. Very cool. Uh, the album comes out October 11th. I've got a duet on there with Todd Latore of Queensryche. I've got Andy James on there, Gus G, uh, Tracy Guns, Joel Holkstra, Ethan Broch. There's a, a, a different guitar player on every song. Wow. Playing it solo. I'm playing all the rhythms. I'm doing a few solos, but I got a different soloist on every song. I love the last one. The last one. Well, if you love the last one, you should really love this one. Because the last one was like much heavier than the oh, other yeah. oh, yeah. solo album. Oh, yeah. Well, this one's just as heavy as the last one, mm -hmm. but it goes up a level in all the different guitar players, which is really cool. 
you know, uh, and there's definitely some priest and maiden influence on it on this album, big time. Little Van Halen influence. Nice. I heard a little Van Halen in Bizarre. Oh yeah, Bizarre. no, you'll hear you'll hear that on this on this album. There's a song called Shine. It's got a little Van Halen thing. Uh, and then better part of me is it got a maiden thing. Lay it down as a very da 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 very priest, total priest. It's a great album. I'm very excited about it. I hope people get as excited about it as I do when they hear it. I want to let people know, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Michael, for vinyl collectors. Who wants to win surprises? No More How to Pay, Fallen, goes for hundreds of dollars now. Yeah, yeah. Get it when it's new. So get the new Michael Sweet when it's new, the next Striper. No no title yet for the next Striper? Uh, not for Striper. Not yet. No. Are you guys in the writing process? or I'm not yet. I'll, I'll start working on riffs this month, like a riff and a groove. And I'll get probably 11 or 12 of those on my phone to get a good start. And then in November and December, I'll really hit hard the writing. I'll go in a room every day and write a song. The guys will come out in January. We'll start learning everything. We'll start recording in January and February, take a break for some shows, and then I'll come home and finish vocals. And the album will be done by May. Turn it in by May. And it'll come out next year, probably uh, August, September. I believe the same time frame was for the same with Goddamn Evil. Yeah. We started late in the year and it came out. It's pretty much the best time for us to do it. January, February, March. That's the window. Any album. Solo, Sweet and Land, Striper. That's just the best time. Because it's a dead time to tour. Right? So it's the best time to record. And we record in mass, so it's snowing. You got the fire going. You bunker down. You can really fo- we where we record. We live there and we eat there. So we go track all day, have dinner, go to bed, wake up, eat breakfast, and go track. Was it the same place you did the last one? Because I, I, I recall seeing a video yep. of a hot tub. Yep. And it was very that's, cold. That's the place. Wow. It's amazing. Where's that located? That's in Northampton, yeah. Mass. And we've done like 12 albums there: Striper, Solo, and Sweet and Lynch. It's insane. It, we love it. Will there be another Sweet Lynch? I don't know. I don't know. Were you talking about something with Holkstra? Yeah, I want to do. I want to do an album with Holkstra. Now on this new album, there's two songs we co-wrote together, and he's playing guitars on, and they're really different. They're cool. More, a little more Zeppelin-y, White Snake-ish. Very cool. Yeah, and he's such a great player. I'm taking. I'm taking away all the questions. Got anything? You. You are fine. You are fine. I want to know. What's it been like adding Perry to the lineup? Oh, man, we love Perry. He's brought so much to the table. He's such a nice person. Brought a lot of peace to the band. And he's a phenomenal bass player and singer. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's really amped things up and took us to a new level in terms of locking in and the vocal harmonies. He's an amazing singer and an amazing player. Really. Boston. Oh, my gosh, dude. He's so, so good. Yeah. So well, good. The, the, the band. Yeah. Yes. How mind blowing. I'm sure. Yep. Like the first and Don't Look Back were like the soundtrack of your youth. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. They're perfect albums. Yeah, of course. I mean, joining that. Yep. I mean, how insane was that for you? Oh, man, dude. I mean, you know, it was, it was really surreal. It felt like a dream 
standing on stage, playing these songs, singing these songs, looking over, and there's Tom. It was wild. Because that was a big, that played a big role in my, uh, you know, advancement as a musician, as a, a, a tone master, trying to get the best tone as a singer. Phenomenal. And it also shows your dedication to Striper because that's, yeah, you had that choice. Right? Yeah, I did. Either and Boston I, I left Boston. I left Boston to uh, put everything into Striper because Striper is my priority. And a lot of people have come up to me and said, what are you, crazy? You left Boston? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, nothing. No, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. Striper is your band. Of well, course. All four. Striper, Striper's my band, man. My, my, my baby and priority. And it's like, of course I'm going to do that and focus on that. Now, someday, maybe, maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll be focusing on something else down the road. I really don't know. Uh, Lord willing... Hopefully not. Hopefully Striper has many more years. Many more albums like the last one. Hopefully. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, Michael, it's been an honor. I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan for 30-some-what years. Yeah, that's amazing. And this is, uh, Good to meet you. You guys are awesome. You guys I appreciate are awesome. it. And I hope you thought this interview was really It was right great. Man. It was great, man. It was great. I can't wait to like hear it. When's it going to be up? I'm on your Facebook if you want to Yeah, yeah. Put it up and you know tag me in it, and I'll, I'll get it up too. All right, guys, you guys are awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate you again. Thank you. God bless. Oh man, what a great interview! Didn't duck questions, and I know Ralph kept saying, "Oh, Bushy, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm taking." No, look, and we had this conversation. I wish this crap would have recorded. Uh, uh, Ralph's side, because I have my side. I have my my whole entire side. I, I told Ralph several times, everything I wanted to ask, you hit on. You hit on. So it was all good. The only thing I was upset about is that I forgot to say, hey, Michael, are we ever going to get a Striper Skillet co-headlining tour? Because I think that would be amazing. But I tell you what, because of Rock and Pod, because of this great interview we did with Michael Sweet, here it is right now, Writings on the Wall.
what a killer tune. What a killer tune. And now I have to move on to another thing. Kenny Olson, Twisted Brown Trucker Band. That's Kid Rock's band. What an amazing interview that was. And it's funny because, as you will hear, I stumped him a couple times. But we had a great talk. I was so afraid that this conversation was not going to be audible because there was an acoustic set going on uh, uh, on the main stage while we were talking. And I was so nervous that you wouldn't be able to hear. But the audio is great. You can hear it. Now, you can hear all the stuff in the background. That's the nature of doing a, a, a an expo like this with multiple things going on. But he was so gracious. And Kenny Olson has actually promised to come back and do the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. We actually exchanged information so that we can make this happen. And I'm a huge fan of the Kid Rock Band. Uh, I've got to look into Kenny Olson's other stuff because, damn, what a great interview. In fact, here it is. Check it out. Okay. All right, so I'm sitting here hanging out with Kenny Olson. Kenny, how you doing? I'm doing good. All right, outstanding. Now, I've got to go with the obvious. Okay, I've got to go with the obvious because I'm a huge Kid Rock fan. you got to kind of take me through that whole ball went to ball. How, how in the hell did all that come about when you mix those great licks with, with rap? You know, I, it's a... Uh... That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, with, with our formula, how we would come up with stuff, you know, a lot of times we just, you know, take a certain guitar riff and just kind of build off of it. And we were pretty fearless with our approach. And most people say you can't do that. We never listen to that whole thing. So that that song was originally um, a chant that the Sugar Hill Gang it did the ball with the ball, the dang dang. Right. And here we have this totally like one of the heavier songs on the record, and we just picked that one to roll that sample through. And you know, it's all about those hooks, you know, and those songs that people remember. You know. Absolutely. And a whole Devil Without a Cause album. If you ask me, it's absolutely brilliant. It's got some ridiculous heavy stuff on it. What would be your favorite part of that record? Um, I don't know, I mean, because there was so much, I mean, like, when we made that record, we had no idea we were going to sell 13 million copies of it. Obviously, a bunch of guys from Detroit just put in a studio, and we just pretty much didn't even really have much written or anything planned for it. We didn't do any pre-production, we just went in the studio and just wrote it, created it, and just got all the... You know, spontaneous, just not overthought thoughts, you know, just, you know, but that's, I guess, what, you know, we did it for the right reasons and we just played it real, you know, from the heart. So, but I, I mean, it's still to this day, you know, I look back and go, wow, you know, <laughs> it's like, now, you, you, you worked with some great musicians, you know, there. Who are some other great people you've worked with? And then more importantly, who might your favorite you've worked with be? Oh, wow. Wow, that's, uh... 
there's a long list of that. It's uh, that's a hard one to really answer because it's, there's been so many. I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, going back to like I, stuff you never thought of would happen. You know, and like you know, a lot of doors were open, obviously, but. Um, but, you, but you've done several different genres, if I'm right, right? Yeah. You haven't been strictly rock metal. No, I mean, like, I've always, you know, I've, yeah, I've been able to do a lot of the cool genres. I mean, working with people like, you know, like a, someone like Shaka Khan or something like, someone like that, or even Les Paul, or all these people I would have never thought I would have been had a chance to work with when I was younger, and how much you get out of all that and learn from it all, too. I mean, like, the Hendrix tours, while I was with Kid Rock, we started doing those experience Hendrix tours at Jimmy's old band, and I would have never thought in a million years I'd be with right. Billy Cox and Mitch Mitchell and Buddy Miles playing every night, you know, and, and then people like Paul Rogers, all these people coming on board and being part of that. Right. You know, it's, it's, I mean, there's been so many different situations where, I mean, I just got to be very grateful for, you know, I'm like, Right now, I mean, I've got a new band with me and Steve Perkins from Jane's Addiction and oh, wow. Noah from Fishbone, and we're playing with some of the members from Floyd on a separate project besides what we're doing with our own record. And so a lot of people were doing a documentaries or making the album, but um, I wish I would have did this a long time ago because there's a lot of people that would have been part of it that aren't here anymore right. with us, but we're including some of those people. We have like our own stripped down band but then the featuring special guest thing we're doing too so yeah i mean the some of the best music yet some of the like best stuff i've written over the years has not even been released yet and there's the new stuff that's coming out is even better than that so oh wow that's, that's great a lot, a lot of time and stuff awesome. yeah so. i've got to know Sure, Chris Sitzak told me that you're a great guy for wild stories. Yeah. You gotta throw one. <laughs> a wild story? What's, what's one of the craziest things ever happened to you on the road? Ooh. Well, I mean, rated R PG version. <laughs> this, this is an uncensored podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't even. Wow. I mean, it's a lot of those ones have to be like triggered by somebody having a conversation about something and then I'll be like oh yeah that reminds me of this one time <laughs> what, uh, fair enough what's your favorite type of music to play well you know musically I've been influenced by so much stuff even like as a as a guitar player you know I you know I just sing a little bit too but I've always been known as a guitar player so I had to find my own voice within the guitar. You have to find a signature sound, especially as an instrument. You know, you gotta put your signature sound in to have your own voice. Right. So even people like Gladys Knight, I'd listen to them and go, well, I'll never be able to sing like that, but I wanna know what that feels like to be able to sing like that and portray it on the guitar. So I've always took from, whether it be old blues to funk to everything, but then I kinda corporate my own you know, being a Detroit Rock City guy, I'm still gonna come and play with my own right. approach. And I think that's the best compliment to any musician, you know, is to be able to play whatever kind of genre you want, but your style still stands out. Right. Like who you are, no matter who. And that was a cool thing, even like with Kid Rock, they were like, when we were 
recording like those albums like Devil and Cock and all that stuff, but especially Devil, they were like, what music genre are you guys? You're like, you guys like rock out really hard, but you're doing all this like rap stuff, you got all this funk stuff and this swampy country yeah. twang shit going and on. And so. started even moving into a country field. Yeah. And that's how we were just never afraid to like, just take good music and make it a part of what we were doing, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you said you you're, you have stuff coming out. How how soon can we look forward to that? Well, um, that's another good question. <laughs> the way the industry is. We've got, there's going to be some single stuff coming out pretty early. Maybe like this fall. I mean, a lot of this stuff is more projected for the beginning of next year. Right. By the time we finish it. Um, but there's a good chance some of it coming out. We also, uh, we did a, finished a seven day binge album last year too with one of my other side project things I'm doing. And that one's already in the can that's gonna be coming out as well, so. But this whole documentary making this record, it's, we have so much great stuff right now that I wanna put it out like immediately, but we're still trying to figure out with the packaging of everything else. Right. And there's some stuff that's left undone because of the, special guests that we're bringing in everybody's schedules and sure. trying to finish that in the summertime when everybody's touring is next to impossible so right this fall a lot of that will get done too nice. like nice. i just i just got back from europe myself like last week with scott a couple of members of pink floyd and me and steve perkins in norwood went over and played with those guys into some festivals over there so oh, wow. yeah, that was a lot of fun What's the experience like over there? I, I was born in Germany, but I yeah. haven't been back to Germany since uh, 1987 when we got back to the States. I know that the, the rock and metal scene is much bigger over there. Yeah, because indeed. Americans, we're, we're real fickle. We're flavor of the month. Yeah. What's it like going to a part of the world where they just worship that kind of music? It, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, like, I've been all over, you know, especially definitely, you know, in Europe as well, you know. But I mean, if, and you go to Europe, like Germany, where you say, you know, you're from originally, that's got, you can, you can go to Germany itself for a month straight and play nothing but major venues, not run out of a place to play. There's so many, and there, I mean, it's huge, you know, it's great there. Right. And you go there and it's like, and there's just great people that love, you know, the real, the real shit, you know. Right. I mean, throughout Europe, it's like that, even by even going over like the, Asia, you know, Japan, they go nuts. We were just in Budapest and did a festival there. And, you know, a lot of the, here's this big festival, and you think it'd be all bands, but a lot of them were DJs doing that oh, thing really? over there, which the, was. The computers and turntables? Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, horrible. You know, I know. <laughs> so that's what we felt we, we had to play our role in saving rock and roll by going over there. But they loved it. Good. You know, so that, that was a good thing walking away from all those, you know, people out there that were, you know, all pumped on whatever they were. <laughs> you know, but, the, but to sit back and enjoy real live music, you know. Right, people but, actually playing their own stuff. Yeah, because it's gotten, it's gotten so far from, it's an ADD world we live in already, and it's like they, the music that people are consuming or being stuffed down their throat is like, really? It's like it's not it's so much the soul and substance been missing from it and that's a 
big thing that's really fun with this new record we're doing is a lot of that's pointed out even from old school ways of recording stuff versus people have gotten so used to listening to music now on a phone or hearing one side not hearing a real mix and where everything's faded to the left right or center you know or that whole art of listening to music has like been almost forgotten about and I'm glad you said that. I say that to my daughter all the time. She's 13, and I've raised her on vinyl. Yeah. And she'll say, but I just want to hear that one song, and I let her know all the time. When an artist goes into the studio, they're spending all this money to get this time to yeah. give you their product. There's an entire body of work they want you to hear. You buy the whole thing, and you listen to the whole thing. What's your take on these people that only know singles and have never heard the depth of a record? I know that's it's it's mind blowing because yeah I mean not, obviously like when you go in and make a record there's nothing like it you know it's like it's an experience where so much of your life everything if you're it gets comes out in it and like and you and I are like talking about the era where like just waiting for an album to come out and all the songs that have to say versus I mean like obviously in the 50s 60s yeah it was 45s and it's singles but that's what changed when like classic rock and you know all these albums like they just became part of people's lives and just the way they flow together right and it just it blows my mind that there's not a enough of an attention span or enough of industry to like really carry that anymore it's it's disturbing really you know it's, it, it really is because when, when you listen to an entire album all of us guys that know music know about the deep cut. And I was, I was trying to explain that to somebody. So what's a deep cut? They thought it wasn't gonna work? They said, no. It's something a radio station may not have picked up on, or it's something that a PR guy said, no, we're not gonna release this as a single. Yeah. When, when you've been going through your career, wanting certain songs released, because you gotta release to the radio. It, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, they, How hard is it to get what you want released as opposed to what the record company wants? It's a, that's it's really hard with that because you know like sometimes the best songs on a record are what they call an album filler, but like but there's no like a true fan. Remember like when the bands used to make it the old school way where you know like a real fan knew all the real cool albums that a fan that came on later didn't know. Right. You know because they became you know it was. That that whole era is like it's just not there anymore, you know. And that's and that's how bands would make their way. A lot of times, you know, bands like Metallica or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they didn't make it big off a of radio single. Right. They eventually came into that format, but they had uh, they mass fans. Yeah. But they had mass fans that were going out buying albums and you know, like connecting with it. It's just I don't know. I mean, there's not really. Um, it's gotten so far removed from what it once was that it's hard, it's hard to figure out how to really get it back. I mean, no one even knows. They don't go out and buy it, have the artifact to even know who played on what anymore. Right. So even as a musician, when you go play on someone else's record, it's like, you know, people don't even know. Right. There's so much stuff that I played on out there that, you know, like, oh, you played on that? I'm like, yep. Yep. But what example of that? Oh, shit. Well... I mean, 
mean, a lot of it, it's exposed now. Let's see, what's a good example? My brain's not working well today. <laughs> I know, and I'm, I'm sure it's been a long day. What, are, what, what is your take? Now, we know we know about the, the LimeWire and, and, and the Napster back in the day. Artists not getting paid. I'm a big hater of streaming music. I, I think I think artists are still getting ripped off, but it's it's almost like they're, you're getting ripped off in a snide way because you're going to pay a point zero 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 six cents of a play as opposed to CDs and cassettes and records being sold. How does that affect how you market yourself? Well. As far as like, well, let me look at that. Um, say it again. So, as far as marketing yourself with, um, I didn't get, the, I didn't get the whole. Uh, well, my question is, with, with streaming services, somebody can go just stream a song, and an artist gets really no compensation for that. The, the money's in the merch and it's selling albums. But the problem is that a lot of people don't buy these albums anymore. You know, except for us old guys. So how do you go about trying to grab that young generation, short of us that are trying to raise our kids to know it? It's hard. It's, I mean, nowadays, pretty much everybody's giving their stuff away just to be heard, you know, just to have a fan base out there and just any kind of activity going on. So it's forced everybody just to, like, right. you know, a lot of guys are, that's so many people are making the money off the live shows. And, I mean, it's gone from zero to two zeros, taking off so many, most artists' royalty checks as far as sales, physical sales, as a digital sales, and how to figure all that stuff out is just, I don't know, it's, it's rocket science at this point. <laughs> now, do you have a problem with the whole digital sales thing? Because I know, because I, I, I DJ for an internet radio station, and we pay licensing fees and such, and I know that if somebody asks me for a song, I go and buy the whole album. Uh -huh. I can download the album right there. I use Google Play because I'm an Android guy. Does, is it better or worse? Because eventually I end up going to get the physical copy anyway, which I guess gets people paid twice, which doesn't hurt my feelings. So how do you feel about the digital download when it's done the right way, when they're buying an entire album? I, that's cool that way, because I mean, obviously with the format that people have nowadays anyways, for even just accessibility and stuff, and it, me as an artist, it's just to get it, it's getting out there more in that way, and we're still getting, you know, paid. I, unfortunately, not a lot of people are out there, honestly, yourself and others that really believe in the music and want to keep it going. So... I mean, I'm for it if it's, that's the case, having both. Like, that's how I am. I like to have, right. if it's stuff I really like, I'd rather have the physical artifact CD and then a way where if I'm traveling or on my phone or want to play it for somebody, exactly. you know, that's, you know, accessibility, I guess. Yeah, I like to have a multiple format. Yeah. I mean, this is my favorite way to listen to music anyway, is vinyl. Never convinced me that's not the best sounding. But it's good to have these external hard drives with those same albums. And then I'll also have the CD copy because I still have a car with a CD player, you know. Me too. Um, <laughs> nice. 
What do you think of cassettes coming back? I gotta know. I think it's the most ridiculous format ever invented. I remember the problems we had with cassettes. Yeah. Why, why is it a nostalgia thing? Why do, why do you I think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, vinyl and CDs are, obviously CDs have the best track record of the longest, you know, right. you know, running, you know, but I mean, it's pretty hilarious. It's cool cassettes for like the indie bands because it was such an easy way. Like when I was younger, you could, you know, even if you, you could just make your own cassettes and just have them printed out and yeah, go out and sell them. You need it with a quick four-track recorder and you can put an album out. Oh yeah, the starting out. Dual cassette players and start recording them. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. They don't last for shit. So, you know, and it, can you think of any logical reason why it's coming back though? I, I remember tapes getting or don't get, you know, you played them too much and now you gotta rewind them or fast forward them all the end and tighten them up. You had to have a pencil or a pen all the time and the young people will never get that reference. And now, and now you can take, if someone gives you a demo and you don't want it, you just put tape over it and record something else out. Right. <laughs> Thanks for the free cassette. <laughs> Ted Kennedy's actually did that. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about punk music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But on their album, In God We Trust Incorporated, they left the second side blank saying, home recording's killing the record business. So we left this side blank for you. <laughs> yeah, Which I thought was brilliant. It is. <laughs> it's brilliant. There was a lot of cool packaging, especially back in that era, with the old punk rock bands and even doing, but they could do the 45s and the full albums you want all that stuff but right. even but look even some of the great albums we're talking about back then that only have eight songs ten yeah. songs on them you know that's what an album should be yeah you know, you know after that like, it's overkill yeah i mean look at wish you were here pink floyd it's like how many songs are on that like six or something right it's a full album yeah black sabbath you know Sabotage with eight, eight, I think, songs on that record. You know, I, but I, I do miss that era of like just because, especially when you go into studio for a band to. I mean, one, one of the problems, like obviously with the singles, is they don't even give it that much of a time of day. They throw it out there, right? And unless you have a lot of money behind it, it doesn't have a prayer. Yeah. You know, and if you do throw a bunch of money, it's like that payola. I think it's become a, what used to be illegal, it's become a format. Right. To pay, you get yourself, you know as a DJ, get the song on the radio. So that's already like a frustrating part of it all. But when you go to make a record, you've got so many songs, even when you make a 10 song record, you know, and if you do it right, you have all these songs, it's like even trying to narrow it down to 10 songs. Right and exclude stuff that's so badass because you got so much that you want to say and now it's like it's way more possible to do it because it's like you're going off of one song right you know and when you're going through that process like with the singles being released how much of it is this is what the band wants to put on the album as opposed to the record company picks it and what gets put on yeah. That, that definitely, they definitely um, play their role in that. But you know, ultimately, you want to have yourself in a deal situation where you do have a little bit of right. control. But nowadays, like the major labels, they come in and they don't necessarily even pay for everything anymore. A lot of like 
artists, they're expected for, you know, look, they'll go in with an investor already in place, and they're selling the records already, they're being distributed already done. Oh, wow. So, so there's a lot of people independently doing things, which, you know, there's obviously a lot of bad stuff that's happened because of stuff, but even, but there's also part of the industry where it's kind of an open free-for-all for people to have a chance to get their stuff out there without having to have a major record deal control right. what it is. So there's, you know, there are some pros like to it. YouTube and iTunes kind of become an okay thing because people yeah. are still able to have yeah, no backing whatsoever and still put a, a lot of times yeah. a quality product out. Yeah, but it also makes it to where sometimes it's like a football game where you got a bunch of pro players on the field playing and everybody from the stands comes down and gets on the field too. So you got... I understand that as well, yeah. Some, so it's not always... Sometimes there's... But there's so many amazing artists through the years that never got a chance because of how hard it was to get a deal through the years. I mean, it's like 3% of people that get in the music industry really even have... Like, get that chance to make it big and... Right. Do that even going through the channels of having a major deal. So it's... Um, you know, I feel very blessed, especially going back to Kid Rocker. We were like the last band of that, like not last band, but we were one of the last bands of that era to sign a record deal where your label gave you tour support, right. you know, put out the record, like did it the old-fashioned way. Sure. And then we had, you know, you had your points. Points meant something on a record. I mean, nowadays, even when you go and you see them trying to negotiate business or investors come in, it's like the back end of what? Because right. the only stuff that's really making money out there is the publishing and the live shows and all that stuff, right. which was all stuff the artist was entitled to have themselves wow. and retain, where the industry part, they took part of the record sales, all this stuff. Yeah. And so now it's even crazier because you got everybody with their hands on everything. So it makes it a little, little, it's much more scary that way. Right. Because you go in and you don't know what you're doing. Taking investment checks or from people, and you're like, hmm. but I got to give up this and all that, versus trying to let them come in on the back end of uh, record sales or yeah. you know merchandise or whatever. But the real money. The freaking lawyers you'd have to have around just to make sure you're not getting a bad deal. And you got to pay. There's like, and then that's going to cost them more money than certain. You know, especially in the digital world, there's so much little there's like little chunks of money sitting there all over the place for people right. that they don't they don't get unless you go after it because they're not they're just going to hold it in an escrow account and uh, but to go after it once you're even made aware of it you still got to go pay the lawyer to go after it and it, and it might only be a check for a little bit here and there but then you got to pay more money than what you're going to get to get it, but then there's other situations where there's way more out there, and, it's, and you have to. But it's shouldn't have to do all that stuff. <laughs> so, I agree. All that aside, in the long run, is it worth it? Yeah. I don't. I don't know any better. I mean, I never. I mean, it's, there's people that out there that um, try too hard or choose to. They want to do something, but. I, don't, I think this whole industry chose me, so I really don't have much choice. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I love what I do, though. You know, I can't complain. I wouldn't, you know, people like me that weren't so great in school when we were younger that kind of had, you know, we need to have, uh, 
I'm quite grateful to have music as my own voice in this world, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. It's easier for me to go out and front, play in front of hundreds of thousands of people than to have to talk to ten people in a row. Right. It's like, You've got to love today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's like, that's, there's no drug like that, walking out in front of all those people and just raising your hand, everybody starts cheering, you start playing, it's like... Outstanding. It's, uh, it's uh, definitely a rush that, you know, I've been I, able to experience quite a bit through the years and I wouldn't trade anything for it. That's so. outstanding. Um, I guess the last thing I'd like to ask you is, of all these newer artists coming out, who is it that kind of does it for you? Who's one of these bands you're like, okay, that they got it, they've got something? Hmm. I know a lot of us get stuck in that row where we only listen to what we like. You know, we stay back. Yeah. You know, I know in the '90s when uh, when when grunge came out, I switched to country and only listened to my '80s metal. Yeah. You know, so we get kind of stuck in that rut. Is there anyone out there that you think, boy, that's that's really it? That's the ticket. Well, there there is some. You know, I don't. I gotta really. Like I said, my brain's not functioning on full all cylinders today here, but. Um, because I've recently, you know, because I have was a little like a lot of people frustrated with. It's not really the talent that's been out there, but what was being loud out there, the industry-wise. Um, you know, and in the, spending my time between here, Nashville, and LA and Detroit, but seeing a lot of young talent come through, there is some very, very impressive uh, people that I'm that I've been working with and or, or just have my other friends are working with or I've been being just being turned on to hearing that are still yet to get out there that I I mean I, I guess I'm trying to say is I'm relieved because there's a lot of amazing talent that I know is about to be unleashed that's bringing back the old school what I believe you know and that's been refreshing because I was a little worried there you know <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's great when I have like even like friends, you know, fellow buddies and their kids are, you know, now growing up and you know sitting around hanging out talking to like a you know twelve year old about Black Sabbath or fucking Robin Trower or fucking like all these great guitar players. These guys are all like, oh yeah, I'm into like you know humble pie and like what about Cactus Kenny or. James Gang, and I'm like, oh, and you're sitting there talking to a 12 year old right. or 13 year old, like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that's this is like the out. same, you know, because that's it's just refreshing. But then you also, I meet kids, you know, that say, oh, you know, people pick on me at school because I like rock and roll, and all the other kids are into this, that, and they think I'm weird because I have long hair and play guitar. I'm like, you know, they're just jealous because. They know you're destined for great success, and exactly. you're not exactly. some follower looking at everybody else's ass. They're all looking at yours. Yeah, those, those rock and rollers <laughs> have always been the weirdos, anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. I mean, I would. It's it's that's what makes it cool. Though. Absolutely. I mean, how? Hey, hey pleasure's mine. Yes. Thanks for working with us. Oh, thank you. I wanted to get a picture, but none of my buddies are around. You got your phone. All right. All right. All right. And you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna play a. Twister Brown Trucker Band song right now with Kid Rock. Um, I don't even know which one it is, but enjoy it. I 
thing is I got to talk to a young band a young band out of Memphis Tennessee um they're classic rock influenced and I was blown away by that because the drummer is only 17 years old the guitar player is 21 the singer and bass player 18 these are young kids and there's questions that I ask that I did not expect the answer to when I ask about, you know, heroes and influences as such. These are some great kids. Uh, you will hear their single at the end of this interview. So here we go. Man, what a great weekend Rockin' Pod was. I'm going to have to do another episode just to talk about all the stuff that happened at Rockin' Pod. This is my interview with the Memphis, Tennessee band Land Divided. Okay, so we're here with Land Divided. I know you guys just introduced yourselves to me, but we're going to do it again for the listeners. Just one by one, the names. I'm Zach, bassist. I'm Mick, the guitar player. I'm Jacob, I'm the drummer. I'm Nicole, I'm the vocalist. Nicole's got a mouth full of a chicken sandwich right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now you guys are young, and I've had to look into you. You're a classic rock band. Yes, mostly. How the hell does that come about? Uh, we have our parents to thank for that. <laughs> Pretty much. We've all kind of grown up with the classic rock thing. Nicole's always been a huge fan of Steven Tyler and Stevie Nicks. And, um, my first album was Hysteria. Nick's a big fan of Def Leppard and Kiss. And Zach's always been a big fan. song was won by Metallica. Yeah, so he's, he's all about it. So, I mean, I think it's always been something that's been deep ingrained in it. Now, I know you have one single out there right now. Are we working on new material? We actually have an EP that's out on uh, Spotify and um, Apple Music and a couple of other streaming services. Um, it's a four-song EP. I think, are you referring to Midnight Mary? Are you referring to Midnight Mary? Yeah. Midnight Mary, yeah. Midnight, Midnight Mary is on that as well. as um, There's a song called If They Only Knew and Easy to Breathe. And then the intro for Midnight Mary, which is Matinee. Um, and that's all on uh, the EP. Yeah, so we have those four, and then we also have other ones as well. We have about we have three, right? Three other ones? Three other originals? We have three other Yeah, ones. so we have about seven or eight. This download card for you. We've got about three unreleased tracks. Um, we're planning on uh, getting to a studio sometime this fall and hopefully have them out you know, by uh, beginning next year. Yeah. Now, I'm also an internet radio DJ. Uh, I saw you guys talk with rock and metal earlier. I work for the same station as uh, Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck. Uh, He's on Thursdays, I'm on Sundays. Now, I do more of a classic rock, glam, hair metal kind of show. So it sounds like this is the kind of stuff that would fit into a show like that. Um, What are your plans going forward? I mean, it's really hard. The music scene these days, 
It's a bitch. It's cutthroat, yeah. yeah. Definitely very cutthroat, yeah. And you guys are young, so you obviously, you're at the right age where you can fight the good fight. What, what's, what's your plan? What's your dream? Well, um, I, I'd say just as much as anybody else, just to take it as far as you possibly can, you know? Um, and, um, and I think we're all fairly driven people, and we basically have the same goal in mind, you know? Um, just to, to play music with some of our best friends, to have fun, because, I mean, that's, that's, in the end of the day, that's pretty much what it's about. Now, you told me what some of the albums are that you guys all heard, but who are your heroes? Because I, I know that a first album doesn't necessarily a hero make. Right, you know right. what I mean? Um, like, I'm happy I got to beat Dave Ellison, got me into thrash metal because of that opening bass line and Peace Cells. I had never heard anything like that before. And I'm, I'm 45 years old, so, you know, that was fresh to me. What's, what's heroes for you guys? I mean, even though even though you're talking about they might not be heroes, the first one, but Metallica is definitely one of my biggest, you know, 80s, just perfect rock band that's just up there with everything. I love most of the things that they put out. <laughs> Come on, even Saint Anger. Well, uh, we're not going to talk about that one. But, uh, yeah. All right, so so you do have sense. You understand the music. Right, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what about you? Oh man, it's see I flip flop between different heroes each week, uh, but one of my all time favorites has been uh, Paul Gilbert, the guitar player for Mr. Big. Uh, he's just been a huge influence on me, and just when I think of guitar player, I think of him because he embodies not only the shred thing, but just writing good songs with good riffs and good melodies and all that. It's something I aspire to be, just to be an all around great guitar player. That's really refreshing to hear from, from from people as young as you guys are, because these days it's all Godsmack. Let's hit it heavy. We don't really care if there's any melody in there, and, and it's not that I'm not a fan of that kind of music, but it seems to be lacking a lot. Who would you think today? Because I know who I have in my mind. Who would you think today probably embodies that the best with this modern era music? So, I've been recently turned on to Ghost. Uh, here in the last uh, couple months. It's specifically the, uh, their latest album with the single Rats. I mean, literally, that melody is just stuck in my head constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and I've seen live videos of them playing, and it's just so just refreshing to see that. Just good hooks and good melody and good riffs. You know, it's not very loud or complicated. Um, and I mean, I do like proggy stuff, like the Dream Theater, like, you know, the Rush and stuff. But to me, there's a there's a tipping there's a tipping point almost where like I kind of don't like going over just because it gets too much. Right. right. You know. I, I'm not going to argue Ghost with you at all. That's kind of where I was going. Uh -huh. They have a great '70s '80s vibe. Yeah. I'm a dance macabre over Rats fan myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got you. I got you. Now, female fronted. I love this because there was a time when women in rock and metal was non-existent. You had two or three. Pat Benatar. Right. That's it. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, yeah, Joan Jett and Doro Pesh, yep. you know, from Warlock. Lita Maybe Ford. Belinda Carlisle. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but... More, more pop. More yeah, pop. Yeah, agree. Agree, definitely. How important do you feel your role is, and I, and I hate to ask it this way, because I think it should just be rock and metal, 
But as a female vocalist trying to make it, is it easier these days, do you think, with everything going on? Or do you think it's still, there's this plateau where people think, ah, but that's chick rock? I don't know. It's really hard because, um, I mean, I feel like being a girl in this business is just hard in general because there's so, there's a lot of toxicity, especially in the, like, in the industry and all of that. And um, girls, it's it's a lot different than guys because with girls, it's like, oh, okay, you have to look sexy. You have to look this way. Guys, like, they can put on a T-shirt and it's showtime. Me, like, makeup, something cute. Like, it's 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 different. Right. It's just different. And um, I don't – it's not easy. It's possible, but it's, like, it's still difficult to get to that point where, like, you know, with Stevie Nicks and that level – but yeah, do you want to elaborate? Okay. The thing is, though, is uh, we surprise people because when Nicole gets on stage, she kicks ass. So uh, she just takes <laughs> the stage, true. and she kind of uh, she's got this amazing voice that just uh, really gets people's attention. Like no matter where they are in the crowd, they'll they'll hear. Her. Everybody hears her. <laughs> to even further that, I feel like being a young band in general also is a big thing because. I mean, I remember I remember playing some gigs at the very beginning where people were just like, "Oh God, this is just another kid band. They're gonna suck ass." And like I, and then you, they end up, and we go into something like "Stop Dragging My Heart Around" or something like that, and it's like, "Oh crap!" Like this is a legitimate band, and so you know, never being taken seriously, it it, it all kind of makes its way. And I mean, we take it with with the stride, just as as best we can, pretty much. Outstanding, outstanding. Now. I, I know we keep hitting on the young. How old are you guys? Because I look at you, you look my daughter's age, and she's 14. <laughs> so, so. Uh, two of us are 18 right now. Jacob is, you're still 17, right? I'm 17. Yeah. I'm the youngest He's member the baby. of the band. He's the baby. Okay, say that again. I'm 17. I'm the youngest member of the band, and I'm also the only member of the band that's still in high school yeah. as well. And how old are you? Uh, I'm 18. Yeah, we'll both be freshmen in college this upcoming fall, so... So, I'm 21. So, so this is the guy that buys the beer. Every band's got to have a grandpa. Yeah. I used to be the grandpa too. I understand. What's it like playing in? Because I'm assuming you're still playing clubs. Now, I did see you have opened for some national touring acts, which is amazing. Congrats on that, especially given your age. What's it like to play at clubs? You can hardly buy a Coca-Cola at. <laughs> Well, I mean, the clubs in Memphis are always super supportive of just the Memphis scene. The music scene over there is incredibly tight, really close-knit, almost like a family. And so when you really get in with, with one owner and they, you know, support you and they nurture you in that, all, all the other clubs are not far behind in that thing. Now, I mean, with the music industry, there's the natural, like, you know, okay, there's going to be this person that's a lot harder to reach than another. But I think that they've really all looked at us and almost, you know, embraced it, you know, and tried to nurture everything that they can just to help us out. And it, and it can't hurt that you're playing music that old people like. Right, exactly. <laughs> it gets all the tips, too. That's the best part. Yeah. Like, gets those bars well, I mean, going, man. And also, too, I mean, we have seen a healthy balance of kids our age and younger coming to our shows. I mean, it's it's getting more prevalent. Like, like I recently went to a KISS show in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And I mean, I can't tell you how many um, kids I saw with their parents 
you know, there at, at the show. I mean, it's it, the level that it's bouncing back at is just, you know, unprecedented in my eyes. I, and again, I have to agree with you. I took my, my daughter's first concert I took her to was Kiss with Def Leppard. Oh, so, yes. So, oh, so I yeah. understand completely. She hated the Dead Daisies, though, and they were amazing. Yeah, like no, they were absolutely amazing. Um, vocalists, mm -hmm. I think we hit your hero, and then we got to wait, and we got yours. Vocalist and drummer, right? Mm -hmm. Heroes. I'm still curious. Okay. So basically, when I think of like who's a hero to me, it's people that inspire me and make me want to work and like do better with my my writing and my stage presence. So I think of Stevie Nicks and Freddie Mercury. The bare foundation of what I like, what I do everything on, is based on them. Freddie Mercury, he's got great stage presence. I look after him a lot, and Stevie Nicks, not only stage presence, but like also like things she wears and um, her lyrics are just amazing. I'm, it, God, I love it so much. But uh, yeah, and then you want to do yours now? Uh, I mean, a lot of my drumming influences, um, I think my all-time favorite, as far as if I'm just going straight-up drummer, I'll get to singing drummer in a second, but if, I, if I'm if i going for straight-up drummer, definitely Jeff Beccaro from Toto. There is, hands down, no better example of class, chops, but absolute just playing for the song. Toto, Jeff Beccaro, there's nobody better. Him and Liberty DeVito, top drummers ever. Uh, singing drummers because I, you know, because I do cover a lot of the high range sometimes. I tend to pull from Roger Taylor because he has a certain bit of, you know, he's got that high end cut to his right. his voice. But also, if you put him in any band not singing, he'd still kill better than any drummer you'd ever see live. Right. You know, he's got that 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 rock star attitude. So. Outstanding. Now. This, this is cool, by the way. I'm going to get you guys on the air. I'm going to check it out. Um, when I put this together, which song do you want me to play of yours? Midnight Mary. Okay, we will be hearing that. If you could say anything to anybody right now that's... It's been 17. Jesus. You're barely older than my daughter. If you could say anything to anybody that wants to pursue this... What, what advice would you give to somebody, especially as young people starting out in a business that most guys don't start until they're in their mid-late 20s? If you believe in yourself and if you believe in what you're doing, just just go after it. Don't be scared. Just do it. Because if, you're, if you love what you do and you believe in what you're doing, you can't fail. Outstanding. Definitely uh, live in the now. You know, we make mistakes all the time on stage. You uh, get up, dust yourself off, and you learn better at practice. You uh, you conquer that whatever challenge you're taking, and then you uh, you move up, and you keep moving up through the ranks and uh, getting better shows, and it just it all just works out eventually. So, I would have to say the most important thing is to don't quit, no matter how hard it gets. Now, I say that. But then you also do have to realize when things aren't just going to work out, whether it's with a band, another project, with another person. You know, you've got to take a step back and go, okay, I've got to, you know, take care of myself here. And even if you do, you know, even if you do think, you know, oh, I just, you know, quit or got fired from the best band ever, there's always going to be another one right outside your door. So there's never, you're never going to miss any opportunities that are going to come your way. 
I'd say the biggest thing for me, um, as I'd say I speak for a lot of people in the Memphis music scene, stay humble. That's probably the biggest thing because if you sit there and you have a massive ego, then you're going to have a bad attitude. Promoters aren't going to want to work with you. Your band's not going to want to work with you. And really, everybody can improve. There's always going to be that kid in Memphis, in the inner city somewhere, that can play that field just a little bit tighter than you can or that works with people a little bit better than you can. And you've always just got to constantly remind yourself of that so that you push yourself and so that you end up reaching the goals that you set for yourself. I always say aim for the sun, hit the moon. And I know that sometimes, you know, that's kind of the reality of life. If you aim for this certain goal, you may not get there, but you're going to get pretty close to exactly where you want to go. So stay humble, definitely. That's outstanding because what you're, what I feel like you're talking about is chemistry. Okay, and uh, yeah, there may be somebody that plays the lick better, but chemistry is everything. I mean, with Kiss, I love that you're a Kiss fan. Those early Kiss albums, a lot of people bitch that they're, they're sloppy. I'd rather have sloppy Kiss than this overproduced stuff that's going on right now, you know? Now, how would people find you? I mean, YouTube, do you, do you have your own website? So on Facebook and Instagram, it would be Land Slash Divided, and then we also have a website. It's uh, LandDivided.com. Okay. No slash. And I'm assuming they have links to merch, uh, to your music, things of that nature. We're on all the streaming services, so you just check out Land Divided, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, literally anything you can think of, YouTube. Check it out. Check out the new EP. We love it, any support that anybody can give. So. That's what's great about the podcast community because we'll give it to you. Also on our website, you can find events of upcoming shows and booking information and a little bit about the band, pictures, stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Now, do you guys ever get to North Carolina? We would be open to it if we got, you know, the offer. But, um... We will, we will legitimately play anywhere. About as far as we've traveled, I think we've been, we've been to Clarksville, That's that's which is just right outside of Nashville. I was in North Carolina last week, though. So right. Just, uh, I was up at the Cherokee Reservation. Okay. Yeah, okay. but I was visiting some people in South Carolina and just came up through there. So. Nice. So, yeah, um, I mean, any anywhere that we could possibly get a gig, I mean, um, if just just go ahead and hit us up, and I guarantee you we'll try to make it work. So. Nice. Now, do you all have a manager? <laughs> My dad books our shows. I'm going to help you out. Asheville, North Carolina has a club called the Orange Peel. Play a lot of rock bands, both local and national. All kinds of music, though. They'll, they book a lot of cool stuff. That's a good way to get some exposure in the Carolina area. Asheville, North Carolina, the Orange Peel. All right. Anything you guys want to say? Um, we thank you for having us, and we're excited to be here at Rock and Pod networking with everybody. Um, and we have um, we have the EP out, just to reiterate. And uh, we're just so thankful and blessed to to be here talking with you today. Thank you so much. Well, I know I appreciate you guys coming out to me. It's fun when it's two new things that are trying to talk to each other. That's great. You can probably help me too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to say this. Shout out to our parents. Because, oh, my God, they're at every gig. They're here today. Like, nice. they, they do everything for us, merch, 
handling everything because we don't have a manager. Yeah, they got us food. They got me a chicken slider. I'm good. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Anything you want to say? Rock and roll all night, party every day. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much it. I think we wrap it up pretty good, yeah. Check out our music. This is what happens if you put somebody on the spot yeah, real right, quick. Just like, <laughs> all right, man, Hangable Land Divided. I appreciate you guys being here. Um, I will get a hold of your Facebook page and when I have this up, if you want to share it amongst your friends, your people and such, that way we can help you out as well. Thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to meet you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Get your name some terrible names. Nate Bushy, I'm the bearded one. Right now, they're okay. back, baby.
Okay, you just heard that interview with Land Divided and their single, Midnight Mary. Check out their EP. You could buy it on Bandcamp. Uh, like them on Facebook, L-A-N-D slash Divided. Great band, great group of kids. Man, they really give me hope for the future of rock and roll. So... I, I don't know what I'm going to promote other than make sure you listen to all these episodes from the Rock and Pod Expo. If you weren't able to attend, Chris Sinzak is already working on Rock and Pod 3. Make sure you get out there. Or, I'm sorry, Rock and Pod 4. Make sure you get out there. It's going to be at the same, uh, same venue as what he's shooting for. The Airport Marriott. Beautiful hotel. Make sure you have some money because there's nothing close. Great venue, great event. Uh, I, I just want to send out my thanks to Chris Sinzak for allowing me to show up. I'm sorry my partner, the mountain man, couldn't be there. You know, sometimes life gets in the way of living. Thanks to Aaron Camaro for emceeing such a great event. Thanks to Ralph and Ian from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Big love to Vincent Cavanaugh that showed up. I mean, I did not expect to see him. And frankly, I, I don't know who was more excited, me or my girlfriend, to see you. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, he's always posting on your stuff. I see that guy all the time. It was great. It was an absolutely amazing time. We all had a good time. Myself, Krista, my girlfriend, uh, my daughter, Nevaeh. We all had a great time. The podcast community is such a tight-knit, loving community that even new guys like our show, Mushing the Mountain Man, got love. And the cool thing was, I had people walk up that knows our show. So that was amazing. So Mountain Man, because I know you're not here right now. You need to be at the Rock and Pod Expo next year with me. Don't be bagging out on me again. God. <laughs> I want to send big love to Ken Mills. He loved my girlfriend. Of course, he loves my daughter. Who the hell doesn't love my daughter? I want to say hey to the button queen, Christine Wolf, and Baco. I had never really talked to Baco. We had a great conversation at Chris Sinzak's house at the after party party, you know, before we had to hit the road to head back to North Carolina. So that's what I have to promote. Check out all these podcasts. Go to the Rockin' Pod Facebook page. You will see all these episodes up. And, um, man, the mountain man's not here, so here's what I have to say. Motherfuckers buy vinyl. We'll see you next week. And as my buddy would say, stay sick, take care of one another. Skitter pow, meow, meow, mountain man out. You guys be good. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it too. Seems like we've just begun when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. What the fuck? Is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug. See you next week. Yeah, you know I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will 
you have been listening to The Plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. All music played on The Plug belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or your local record store. Support what you love. Support these artists by seeing them live and purchasing their music. The Plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man is not affiliated with any of the artists or music we play. Thank you for listening to The Plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man, and we'll see you on the next episode.